Welcome back, Kent. And, Thank you. And we, um, so I'm, I'm going to try to uh, be quick and uh, quiet and, and let, let Kent have half of, the t half of the time. So we are looking in Act 7 at Stephen, uh, his speech, the longest speech or sermon recorded in the book of Acts. Starts in verse 2 and goes to verse 53 or so. And then there's even a few short things after that when he uh, responds to those that are about to stun him. Um, I'm, I'm just going to sort of walk through and do some things that are of interest to me. So uh, you get what I like to talk about. Um, and part of this is, if you look in the sixth chapter, the word that keeps coming up and coming up is the Spirit. The, these people that were chosen, these seven guys that were chosen to be, I, I guess what we colloquially call deacons, but in the sixth chapter, were, were full of the Spirit. Um, it's interesting to me that Luke records their appointment, their selection, their appointment because of an issue, but we never hear anything about them deaconing. We hear Philip evangelizing. True. We hear Stephen preaching and getting in trouble with his Jewish brethren and ending up being a martyr for that. Um, but we never hear anything about how successful they were in, in giving uh, food out to the widows that, that needed food. But anyhow, Stephen, full of the Spirit, and, and that certainly comes up um, in, in his preaching. Uh, it's interesting, at the end of chapter 6, there's the accusation made by these men that they dug up and got them to, to accuse him. And I guess verse what, 13, if I'm reading correctly here, of, of the previous chapter, 6, is this man never ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. So that's the accusation. Stephen is now before the Sanhedrin. And if you think about it, well, the Sanhedrin's been busy. <laughs> they, they've been chasing Peter and John and talking to them, and now they're, they've got Stephen. And verse 1 of chapter 7 says, And the high priest said, Are these things so? And then verse 2 says, and Stephen said, and I, I guess the interesting question is, for 
everyone who's read the seventh chapter, did Stephen respond to the accusation from the high priest? Well, he had his own agenda, or I guess as we should say, the spirit had an agenda through Stephen. Uh, and it, it's interesting in the next verse, Stephen starts off, in this translation it says, brothers and fathers, addressing the Sanhedrin. In the Greek there's actually three words there. It says, men, brothers, fathers. Uh, and if you look at chapter 22, I think, verse 1, Paul is in Jerusalem, standing before the Sanhedrin, and he addresses them, in fact, with the same three words. So, uh, men, brothers, and fathers. Yeah. So, Paul addresses them, and or depending on how you want to look at it, Luke records the address to the Sanhedrin with this uh, form of address. And then the next thing, in, in back to chapter 7, verse 2, Stephen says, Hear me. If you flip over in, in this journal, it's about what four or five pages to verse 54. It says, Now when they heard these things, they were enraged and they ground their teeth. So apparently they were listening. <laughs> and uh, they weren't agreeing, but but they were they were listening. A um, few weeks ago, we talked about this sort of controversy uh, that's come up over the years about the Book of Acts and all of the sermons and speeches, and were these you know obviously we know they didn't have tape recorders. They didn't do, you know, they made like a court transcript of the speech. Uh, so Luke recorded these sermons from some memory, from someone. Uh, and there are people that, that say, no, nah, Luke just made them up. The entire book of Acts was written by Luke, and he thought, oh, it would be nice to have a speech here and, and here, and he made up what, what he would have liked them to say. If you look at this chapter, and, and I'm, I'm repeating other scholars, I'm, I'm not into this kind of research this deeply, but in the seventh chapter, there are, in fact, 23... Greek words that don't show up anywhere else in Acts 
are in the New Testament. So they're unique to Stephen. And someone said, if you look at the way the sermon is written, the style, the structure, that there are a number of forms that Luke uses throughout his gospel and throughout Acts that are absent from the seventh chapter. <coughs> so to me that says we've got a copy of Luke's sermon. Oh, Stephen, Stephen. Stephen's sermon. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm going the wrong direction. Uh, that that this now, where did Luke get it? We don't think Luke was present here in the Sanhedrin when when Stephen was being accused. Um, Paul may have been. It, we know at the end that he was there and held the coats for the people. Um, he was a, a young man. I don't know relatively speaking. Um, so perhaps in Luke traveling with Paul, Paul recounted some of what he heard. And, and then the other possibility, there were members of the Sanhedrin who became believers. And perhaps they recounted this very impressive speech, sermon, later, but uh, we have a lengthy recounting uh, and Kent may talk more about what's actually in the, in the speech. So to go through our who, what, where, when, who Stephen is speaking, full of the Spirit uh, with the and that is word is mentioned, spirits mentioned a number of times with respect to uh, Stephen. What Stephen is answering the high priest, but not really. I mean, he, he's speaking his own agenda. Um, where and when, obviously he's, he's before the Sanhedrin, he's before the council, and the beginning of the sixth chapter says this was a time when the church was increasing in number, that this translation says, so that, that this was now a few weeks after Pentecost, perhaps? Yeah. And, Sure. We don't know exactly, but uh, in the the early months of the of the church, yes, I had yeah. a couple questions. Sure. Uh, first of all, Stephen, he was okay. We know there was a conflict between the. Greek Christians and the Messianic Hebrew Christians. So, St 
Stephen, was he uh, a Greek Christian? Jew, Jewish, Greek Christian? I think all the names in six are Gentile names. Was, okay, that's was what I suspected. That, I think it is. So he was, so he, he was, uh, he was a uh, Greek problem, Greek speaker. I asked for a Jew. Because, because yeah. they appointed seven deacons. True. And so he was one of them. So they were to minister to the uh, Hellenistic believers. Right. Right. It makes sense. Uh, you know, maybe the surprising thing about this is the whole church agreed with the, the decision. But it might make sense that they would choose Greek yeah. people to serve the Greek women. women. Yeah, I, I'm sure there was probably some kind of conflict going on under the scenes. You know, the, 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 these Greek people were latecomers, and, and you know, they, they probably said, well, you know, we're the true believers. The, the Hebrew, we were very religious ones that got the message, you can join along. So, we think he was probably Greek. Greek speaking. Greek. He was, he was a diaspora Jew. And it says right here, he had conflict with the synagogue of the freedmen. And the freedmen were those that had been slaves and had come back over, right? I think that's right. And, and then it also says, they and other Jews from the provinces of Sicilia and uh, Asia started arguing with Stephen. So, uh, I'm just trying to get my, my mind around uh, where he came from, so. Uh, you, you, know as much as I do. It, it, well, you know, it, I think that's all right. That's a good. That's a good summary. So and, his and background may have been very similar to Paul. Well, Paul was from uh, Paul Tarsus. Grew up so. in, in Tarsus. Uh, so that that. Uh, yes. I just I just have a feeling this uh, this whole speech, the detail part of it. Kind of like Pauline a little bit. I don't know if, if, if Paul, Paul recorded. I mean, you you couldn't commit this to memory unless you really. <laughs> well, and maybe I'm stealing from Kent here, but in the speech of the forty direct quotations of the Old Testament, and by that I mean. A quotation, a quotation that says Moses said da, 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 or the scriptures say 15 out of the 40 so more than a third of them in Acts are in the 7th chapter and, and the rest of it is just full of Old Testament scripture either allusions or summaries or whatever. So it's until like the last two sentences <laughs> right. where uh, it's a history lesson. Yeah. He, he makes his point. Yeah. And, and someone I was recently reading says you can imagine the audience 
sitting there nodding their heads. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, yes. Back, yes, yes, yes. You know, and, and and then all of a sudden. And then all of a sudden. <laughs> and then, then he throws throw, throw the mic drop in. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. <laughs> or they took your mic from him. <laughs> Now, they, they, they stoned him, right? Yes. And, and who brought, somebody brought that up to me last week as we were leaving, maybe it was Steve, that, you know, we thought the Jews, the Jewish authorities did not have permission from the Romans for capital punishment. Yeah, we did a lot of research. Oh, but maybe it was you and I talked. Yeah. That, that, yeah. I, I think these people were just so upset. I agree. They were in a rage. So enraged. And they didn't care whether the Romans, <laughs> what is it? It's it's better to ask forgiveness the than permission. just to ask permission. And they just went with their rage rather than their... Uh, <laughs> so, Kim. They threw him out of the city and stoned him. Yeah. Thank you. Get, man, get my coffee cup. It's nice to be back. I, I, I've been reading seven for weeks, and it's just fun to read. Let me go back to page 36, where, where we have the people making this accusation. This is interesting. Verse 13. This man never ceases to speak words against all the place of the law. <clears throat> anytime you're in an argument, anytime you try to build a case, you use all inclusive language. And one version says he incessantly speaks about this. I mean, that's the only thing he ever speaks about. And really? Is that really true? And uh, <clears throat> against this holy place in the law, they thought Jesus and Peter and Stephen and later Paul were saying, the temple is bad. We're going to re take away the temple. The Torah is bad. That isn't what they were saying. They're saying it's been fulfilled. Something better than the temple is here. And Jesus, the, the, Jesus has fulfilled the law. And uh, that's kind of interesting. I have, I have here, you may want to take a picture of this, but you're probably familiar with all this. But I just want to put in one screen. You know, we have so many similarities between Jesus' experience and Stephen's experience. They have the similar, in fact, they have a similar accusation. This man wants to destroy this temple and rebuild it. And the same accusation uh, before the high priest. It kind of, I have to think this high priest has got to have goosebumps about now because he's the same high priest that questioned Jesus when they brought Jesus. If he was the high priest that was in the Holy of Holies the day of the sacrificing of the perfect lamb, this guy has got to be shaking in his boots because he was in there, rope tied to his foot, while he's in there, a curtain between the holy and holy, rips from the top to the bottom. This guy, I think, he, uh, they've been embarrassed so many times. The Sanhedrin's been embarrassed so many times. I think, like Leland says, these folks were in such a rage. Remember Jesus' crucifixion? They said they didn't. They didn't think they could. They didn't have. They said of them they didn't have the uh, authority to kill somebody. And we, Debbie and I, chased this out a little bit. She helped me in. 
different rulers had different policies, and, and this may have been a time when the ruler was not appointed yet or something, but I agree that I think they're in such a rage. They, they've been embarrassed by Peter a couple times, and they didn't want to mess with Peter because of the, it would cause a riot. That would really get him in trouble, right? And so this one, they were just overwhelmed. And uh, so anyway, I think, I, think this, I think this high priest is probably, my guess is, when <coughs> they decided to attack Stephen, I have to think the high priest is sitting there thinking, well, we're going to win this, uh, what's the way? We're going to win this fight, but we've lost the battle. I bet he's standing there and letting all those people go crazy, stoning Stephen and realizing we're going to lose this. This, this is not going to stop it. As one person said, what the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. It's interesting. Uh, then we have uh, these similarities are really, I think, really very telling. And I think a lesson for us, I think what we can get out of this, I, I've been reading this, this helped me. Uh, Chuck Swindoll, he talks about, you know, um, they had uh, the argument, they had false accusations, uh, they used violence, exaggeration, misrepresentation, they did everything, didn't they? But for us, you know, we have Stephen not, when they accuse him, he's not raising his fist, he's not lockjaw, he's very confident, very peaceful. In fact, they look at him and he is the face of an angel. It's an interesting term. I wonder if that would mean. And, um, what would that be an application for us? When we live a godly life, we won't be surprised if the people, um, rather than accepting us, they'll reject us. And we should, when we react like Christ, um, we'll have the peace of God, even if it means upon death. Sometimes God won't, won't, uh, uh, he won't, uh, rescue us, but he can use peace and death. And that's good. One other thing I thought was really interesting I came across that I had not thought of in this way before. Um, there's an interesting change of pronouns in this sermon. Okay? So we have, we have Simon, or Simon, we have Stephen. We have Stephen giving this talk, and quite frequently we see God selected and directed our fathers. That's from Genesis, right? He selected the patriarchs. He directed them. He protected them and freed them, our fathers. He brought them out of Egypt. But then Stephen says, but our fathers didn't buy that. They wanted to go back to Egypt. They brought Molech and all these other false gods along. They rejected. Our fathers rejected. Our God tested and instructed our fathers <clears throat> in the wilderness. He tested them and he instructed them. And they resisted. Moses resisted. You know, uh, God conquered and gave the land to our fathers. He conquered the land of Canaan, gave the land to all of them, and still our fathers wanted to resist our fathers. Uh, God met and blessed our fathers, met with and blessed our fathers. You know, there were times when he met with David in his sense, and he blessed him and Solomon and all. <clears throat> God communicated with our fathers through the prophets, our fathers, our fathers, and he would always, he always adds, but then we rejected, our, our fathers rejected. But then there's a change. And this is those, like those last two sentences, it's an interesting change. You know, when my kids were little, I would come home from the college and, and I'd come home and uh, if I walked in the house and the conversation with Debbie began, 
your son. <laughs> I, knew I, I, I knew I better start apologizing. I didn't know what I did, but I will beat it later on. So I'm not going to apologize now. You had two sons. I imagine he comes home from work and he hears this, your son. And I'm, I'm responsible, right? Okay. Well, Stephen changes the pronouns and he says, your fathers. Now it's not our fathers. Your fathers. You are like those stiff-necked your fathers. Which prophet did your fathers not persecute? And you are like them. Uh, it's those of, those of us who have godly parents. It, it, uh, is given, it, it's given to us as a compliment when someone says, you came from a good father, your father was a good man, or you're like your father, right? And... Um, but when it's on the negative side, that doesn't feel so good. And these these men, brothers, and uh, fathers, thank you for that clarification, were so enraged by this, they could not stand it. Um, and just like last week, maybe the week before too, Peter's before the Sanhedrin. Who's on trial here? I mean, it's like they're accusing Peter. They're accusing here Stephen. Later we'll see they'll accuse Paul. But who's really on trial? The accusers have now become defendants, because accused, because who's the judge? And they have switched the role, haven't they? Peter did that with the Sanhedrin. Stephen's done that with Sanhedrin. Now who's really on trial? And I think they realize. And... Uh, They've been caught. Uh, they've been caught. And they have left. They have not accepted. He quotes Moses as saying, one will come along like me. Remember this. One will come along like me, and you should follow him. They refuse to follow him. Jesus has come as a fulfillment of the Torah, as a fulfillment as something better than the law, and they refuse to follow just like our fathers did. And uh, they are, they're nailed. They, they're convicted. And uh, it's this way for us, I think. When we're convicted of sin, when we have as great as, as uh, Josh talked about this morning, if you haven't been the first, uh, wasn't the first hour, you will get there, I guess. But uh, he talks about how, you know, when we, when we are honest with ourselves, I think he referred to that as one of his first applications, when we're honest with ourselves, we tell ourselves the truth about who we are. I, I think in terms of when we have a one-on-one -on -one business meeting with God, and He already knows our sin, and we are aware of our sin, and we confess our sin, uh, we have a choice. And the choice is accept it humbly and say, God, I, I, you're right, I can't do this without you. Or we could do what these people did. I like this way this Sundal wrote it, how he wrote it here. The religious leaders may have thrown stones at Stephen, but it was the truth they really stoned. The truth of their own failure, of their own sin. In Stephen's words, they saw a reflection of their depravity. So, 
rather than accept the pain and the sin and the depravity, they smashed the mirror. Is that poignant? I mean, that nails me. When I read that to Debbie, I just... And these folks... And I pray, don't you? I pray that the chief priest and those synagogue officials, maybe they're the ones that came to Christ. And maybe they're the ones that recited this sermon to Luke. And they have killed her. They are completely broken because I heard the sermon. And I was part of the enraged crowd crowd that rather than face the pain that we had rejected what God had prophesied, we smashed the mirror that reflected to us. But some of them are, I don't know, maybe most of them, maybe. So, Acts 22, where we are 20 years later? Spanish yeah. books about 30 years. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And they're going after Paul. Same way. Same way. I mean, I, and you wonder if, you know, it's, I guess, 20 years, it's almost a generation. So, probably. Some of, the, some of the old guys that were in this group have probably passed on by sure. then. Sure. But sure. they've passed their heritage to some of the younger of rejecting God again. And, and so it, it, the Sanhedrin as a body has, hadn't changed very much. You know, and you look at, you look at uh, let's say, Peter, who has the encounter, I guess it's next week or a week after maybe. Yeah, Cornelius. Next week is next week Cornelius. Yep. And, and then later on in Galatians, Paul says he confronted Peter about that issue of how he separated himself. And you think, Peter, you've been doing that for years, right? You, you knew, you knew. You were the one that initiated this introduction to the Gentiles. And you think, you know, we got too many people who are faculty, college people, or teachers, or maybe the rest of you have been teachers too. You know, and you have a student in your class, and you're, you're, Given this great theories, and they're all nodding their head, yes, I get it, I, that, that sounds so good, that's so good. And they high-five you on the way out, you know. And you see on the test, and it's like, you grade the test, and it's like, where did you go? I thought you had it. You know, I thought you understood it. And here we are, 20 years later, and the Sanhedrin, who we wish would have changed their ways and stopped rejecting, uh, they still don't get it. And even us today. I mean, we, we still struggle with the same, the same challenge, the same sins. You know? I, I've been talking all the time. I'm sorry. Let's let's. I, I just I got so wrapped up about this this day, <laughs> uh-huh. this day, and, and I apologize for being absent a couple weeks, and next week I'm absent again. But I do promise I'll be here more. <laughs> uh, but I've been able to concentrate on this one chapter a lot. And uh, but I'd like to hear. Maybe some of you have some thoughts that would expand on some of what we talked about, or maybe the other, maybe I see the other slide again or something. Any thoughts here? Any new thoughts? Well, I, I think before we start thinking, well, if we had been there, you know, things might have been different. And I'm thinking, yeah, you, you, 
that I was there and all these people, uh, all my friends and all these educated people are, are speaking. Well, yeah, but this is heresy. This now, these are the religious people. Yes, sir. And, and we consider ourselves religious people, do we not? So, a, a lot of us say, you know, if you'd been there, you might have done the same thing. And uh, you, you think about it, years later, Paul's uh, uh, talking about the Judaizing teachers. These were, these were the Christians that were in Jerusalem. These were not the, the, the old Hebrew people that worshipped. These were Messianic people yes. that were giving Paul all of that grief. Yes. So it's brought, it's, uh, uh, we don't need to be hypocrites. I agree. And, and, and I have to remind myself of all that. And most of you know my wife really loves Scripture. And she's been on, on, on the prophets, major and minor prophets, for a couple of years. Every time I walk into the room, she's got the recording of the prophets. And, 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 and so, in, in, in a little bit of good spirit, I say, you know, if I had been there, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be one, but <laughs> those guys just drone on and on and on and on. And it's pretty soon you remember. You know, even though you maybe you're convicted of whatever they're saying is the truth, you just finally said, enough already, would you just shut up? We've heard it. I've heard this, and, and, and uh, so I'm just saying we need to be careful what we say. Yeah, I agree, I agree. You know, because we, we struggle with something given to ourselves. I think we would probably have walked like the elder disciples did when Jesus was being crucified. We'd have been scared too. And it was interesting, the only people, think of this, the only people that remembered this deceiver said he was going to rise again in three days, the only ones that remembered were the enemy, was the chief priest. They didn't even go to the tomb to find out. They, did, they paid off the guys to say, tell somebody while we were sleeping, which a soldier would never do, while we were sleeping, the disciples, how do you know who stole them? The disciples came and stole the body. They, they were the only ones that remembered uh, this this uh, this priest system, but it had it, been going for centuries. My systematic theology professor said that the thing that scared him the most and made him humble the most was thinking that he chose a profession that rejected God and that he that he always held that in front of him to make sure that instead of vaunting himself, <clears throat> he always looked at that guy instead of himself because he was so afraid. Tried to, yeah, yeah. to stay humble. And, you know, he quotes, Stephen quotes from Isaiah 66, I think it's chapter, verse 2, that God is not made, you know, God is bigger than us. And we need to remain humble. We, you know, Second uh, Chronicles, I think it's six. Solomon is dedicating the temple. He said, "Who are you that you would be in any building that I would build?" You know, and and it's like God is not going to be contained by us, and we 
we will not conquer God. God knows us, and we need to remain humble. And uh, Stephen, even in the face of this death, you know, he is, you know, what uh, Maccabees, when he was, when he, I may have mentioned this before, when he was executed, he said, they were going to cut his tongue out or whatever. I made one next to He said, well, in heaven, I'm going to have my tongue, tongue back. But you all are going to bake in hell. <laughs> and usually what happens is when someone's being martyred, they curse the people that are there. They curse the martyrs. They, they curse the people that are killing them. And Stephen says, you know, lay not this sin to the charge, just like Jesus said. And that is so different to have that peace of knowing and, and you know, knowing that. And then the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church, right? I forget which church father said that, but that's, that strikes me today also. Yeah, well, that's the, is that the next chapter? Oh, it was, they were scattered. Oh, yes, they were, because of the persecution. Cursed persecution. Yeah, but it's The scattering was growth. Exactly. Oh yeah, that, 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 the opposite of what they intended. That's right. And Jesus said, you know, remember in the very first chapter, he said, "Here's here's the plan. You're going to Jerusalem and then Judea and Samaria and other most parts of the earth." But it would be so comfortable, wouldn't it, to just stay right here? Hey, we have our we have our group. It's kind of like that with our small groups, right? We have our group of people. I don't want that to change. You know, eat what we can, can we can, sit on the can. You know, don't you know, poison the rest, whatever. We don't want to change. And it took the persecution, I guess, for them to spread the way God wanted them to spread. I think of that Tower of Babel. After Noah gets out of the flood, God says, now multiply and spread on the earth. And Tower of Babel comes along. He's going to come and say, we're going to build a city and we're going to make a name for ourselves. So we will not scatter. It's like opposite of what God wanted. And so God messes with their voices and their language. So, I think time's up. So, next week is in chapter 10. Peter, yeah. Is, is Cornelius. Um, and I guess if, if you read through it this week, just keep an eye on Luke apparently thinks something is important because he, detail. he repeats and repeats. and it, It's just... Redundancy. You know, this is what happened at Cornelius, and oh, let me tell you again what happened with Cornelius. <laughs> so it, uh, yeah, it's interesting. That's good. Well, thank you, everybody. Good to have you here. Okay.